Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be reading our scripture for us this morning. We're um, going to be reading Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. We've been in Luke's gospel for some time now. We actually started almost a year ago, and we have sort of, uh, over the last year or so in the life of the church, kind of worked our way through the gospel. Not every verse, not every story. We've dipped into each chapter, but to get a sense for uh, where Luke takes us in his story of Jesus. And uh, this most recent sort of season over the summer, we've been calling it Life on the Road. That We started about, about chapter 10, where in Luke's telling of the story, he, he makes just a, a little geographical sort of narrative marker and says that Jesus set his face to Jerusalem, went off uh, on the road to Jerusalem. So the rest of his narrative... Right, all the stories we've encountered, he's given parables, uh, he's worked healing, he's uh, engaged in forming disciples, he's done all these things as a part of this journey, right, and it's explicitly in Luke's gospel, as a part of this journey to the cross, right, he's, he's deliberately told us Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, the cross, the, the climax of, of the events that are uh, going to unfold in his life, and this is what's happening along the way. And today we hear that same sort of uh, ge- geographic narrative marker on the way to Jerusalem. I, uh, as we start with this story, I'm just going to kind of move through the story. We're going to let it shape how, uh, how we think about it together this morning. And the first sort of observation is at the beginning, you know, we get right here at the start in verse 11. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance. And I, I want us to stop there uh, as, a, as a starting point, right? That where the story starts is a, a place I think perhaps all of us can, to some degree, understand that we feel uh, the distance, right? That as, as Luke gives us this story of Jesus, this interaction, uh, right at the outset, he pulls us into this feeling um, of distance, of, of separation, right? That there is, there is some gap here that we feel in the story. I, uh, uh, when, my, when my kids were quite a bit younger, we uh, made frequent use of the Jesus Storybook Bible, uh, which I fully recommend. Kids or no, it's worth uh, an exploration. And uh, Sally Lloyd-Jones beautifully, artfully takes us through the stories of Scripture, Old and New Testament, and at every page brings us back to the through line of Jesus, that all of these stories pull us into the story of Jesus. And one of those stories in the Old Testament when my kids were smaller was the story, uh, I think the title in her book is like a servant girl and a a proud general or something like that. But it's an Old Testament story of a guy named Naaman who was uh, a Syrian, I believe. He was from uh, a warring country who had himself imposed 
uh, uh, violence against the people of God, but he himself was a leper and uh, finds himself approaching uh, a man of God, a prophet of God, for, for healing. But in the, in the reading of the story as children, my, with my children when they were younger, uh, th- we got to this moment. I have a picture here of, of uh, I think I have a picture here. So, uh, and they, they, uh, like, they, they just they didn't know what to do with this picture. I remember when they were little, they'd be like, uh, could we, you know, kind of want to flip quickly past it. It was unsettling to them. They just didn't like it, which I thought was interesting because they were young and, you know, there's all sorts of pictures in here, but they'd come to this one and they remembered it. They would talk about it. It, it like, it, it bothered them. And in a really sort of superficial way, uh, perhaps, like they were experiencing, like it, it evoked, it created some distance for them. And, and I think uh, that that feeling is where Luke draws us into at the start of the story. Jesus is on his way. He bumps into 10 lepers, and he, uh, Luke tells us, Luke is careful to tell us they maintained their distance. Uh, they, they kept distance. Uh, as we'll see in just a few moments, it's a distance that was imposed from without Culturally, religiously, uh, it was probably a distance that they felt from within. Uh, uh, and, and, and all of those feelings, I think about those feelings as I read this story and my children's experience with this particular image. But maybe you're here this morning for all kinds of reasons. You, yourself, this is a feeling we know. Um, maybe not in the same way, but we experience, we feel the distance in this story. But then the story takes, uh, kind of moves forward in a way that if you've been walking with Jesus along the road, what follows next is not a surprise, right? Like uh, we, we, we feel the distance as we have felt over and over again in Luke's gospel. And then we experience uh, the mercy of healing right, in the story. So, so they, 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 they stood at a, a distance. They lifted up their voices, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, He said to them, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Right, so so we, we we begin in this place like we feel the distance, but but the story as Luke gives it to us follows a pattern that we have seen along the road with Jesus. That next we experience the mercy of healing. Right, that when Jesus says, "Go and show yourself to the priests," uh, there's you know something significant happening here. Right, there's the implication. Right, it tells us that as they went, they were cleansed. So the feeling is. Right, uh, as you go, as you know, go and show yourself to the priests that, that, that they're trusting that by the time they get there, right, by the time they get there, uh, they'll be whole. Right, the priest, even in Old Testament scripture, right, the, the, the background here, he was not the one, the priest was not the one who was going to administer healing. The priest was there simply to verify uh, that they were clean. Right, whatever that work of healing or cleansing or process of wholeness was happened prior to. The priest's role in this instance is to verify that, that they are in fact clean and can be restored. The distance they have felt socially. Uh, hey, I think that's me. Sorry. Awesome. <laughs> I, I could get used to that, though. Um, <laughs> No guarantee that won't happen again, so I, I don't really know. But uh, they, they perceive, right, all of that distance, that, that when they go to the priest, the priest will be the one that looks at them and signs off and says, uh, you are, in fact, clean. Be restored. Right? So when, when Jesus sends them off, there's this, I think the order is significant, right, that they are leaving, trusting that based on this word from Jesus, 
that when they show up to the priest, they'll be whole. Right? It, it, it would unfold. I would imagine it unfolds something. You know, the, these ten, ten lepers, maybe known in their community, right, for uh, their distance, and they show up, all, and if all ten of them are whole, uh, right, the, the conclusion would be, oh, I, I don't know what has happened here, but some work of God is in our midst, right? Uh, God is active here. The conclusion to be drawn is that we have experienced uh, in some way uh, the mercy and expression of God's goodness in the world, Right? Just moving through the story, we feel the distance, and then we experience sort of the merciful healing of God. But I, I think the story takes a turn, another turn, that, uh, that we probably expect, right? So, uh, I mean, it's, it comes with some surprise, but uh, again, this makes sense to us. We feel the distance. We experience the merciful intervention of God in Jesus, and then we expect gratitude. Well, naturally, right? So we read in the story, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back praising God with a loud voice and he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks, right? Praising God with a loud voice, uh, a response that we will have come to expect in Luke's narrative. All the way back at the beginning, shepherds in the fields, Angels announce uh, Jesus is coming. They make their way to the manger. They encounter the infant Jesus. And Luke tells us they went away singing and praising God. This is the pattern, right, of uh, whatever that distance uh, we have felt in the narrative. When Jesus shows up and he closes the gap, the response is gratitude, is praise, right? This bit of the story makes sense. And I, I want to suggest, I think a lot of times, right, we want to make this the point of the story. Right, this makes sense to us. We want to make this the point of the story. But, I mean, let's be honest. Right? Have you ever tried to enforce gratitude on anyone? A spouse, a friend, a child, right? Say thank you, right? <laughs> right? Like, you can say it. It's not the same thing, right? It's not the same thing as deeply felt gratitude, right? It, it, I, th I think of my children, right? When maybe you have given them some expression of kindness and, and I'm like, what do you say? Right? You've heard it. Somebody's probably said it to you as an adult. And you're like, I'm an adult. I got this. Right? What do you say? Right? Did you write thank you notes? Right? <laughs> you know, like we're trying to impose gratitude, like make someone, because we think that's the point of the story. I mean, this is good manners, right? This is how it works. But it's, it's interesting that in the story, even as Luke has given it to us, um, the, the, the healing happens um, irrespective, is that the right word? I don't know, of, of, of any response of gratitude that all ten were healed. Jesus didn't, as we understand it from the story, in some way revoke the healing of the other nine. It wasn't contingent upon their response of gratitude. And when we want to make like gratitude sort of the point of the story. Well, we need to be more thankful. I think it is in some sense to, to miss the point of what's happening here. Yes, it's a part of the story, but it's clearly not what the story is about. But that's, that's how the human heart is wired. That's how we are wired to read it. Right? We want to read it like a, some kind of morality play. Right? This is how Jesus calls us into being courteous, polite disciples. Right? Disciples who say thank you, who are thankful enough for what God has done or what others have done. Be grateful, right? Be grateful. Say thank you. But we know that doesn't work. That's not the point of the story, I, I don't think. It's certainly a part of the story. 
Uh, we have been in the park uh, over the summer. Uh, Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. It's been really fun. If you've been able to come, I think it's been really fun. I hope it's been meaningful for those of you who have been able to participate. But we've been reading scripture together. Uh, reading through Hebrews and just kind of talking about it in small groups. It's, uh, again, you can drop in and drop out. It's, I, I hope it's been a way for some of you to connect with group life, but also grow in your faith. But our approach um, each week, uh, our conversation is sort of um, filtered through two questions. As we read scripture together, we ask, one question we ask is, what does this story or passage tell us about God, about Jesus or his plan? Right? What, what, what do we find in the story? What does it tell us about God, Jesus, or his plan? And then the, the other sort of end of that question is, what does this tell us about people? And more specifically, me. I, I, I want us to bring those questions into the reading this morning. If we stop here in the story, well, this is a story about gratitude. We should be, you, you should be more grateful, right? Like, I mean, Really? Look around, all, all, the kind, we, all the places you could go and be like, we should be more grateful. And I don't think any of us would argue that that's not a part of the gospel, that the call to gratitude, even sociologically, uh, phys- you know, uh, the psychology of the world we live in admits the benefits of gratitude, right? Maybe many of you practice disciplines of gratitude because all these positive effects. But, but if we stop here in the story, we, we, we sort of think that's the point. But I wonder if uh, Luke isn't drawing us a little bit more into uh, answering this question, what is God like? What, is, what does this story tell us about who he is and his plan? And also, what does it tell us about us? Well, I, I guess on one level, it says we tend to be ungrateful. Uh, but wh- what else does it maybe draw you or me into? This is the point in the story, I think, where uh, we, we really meet some surprise. Right, I think the first surprise is like, wait a minute, Jesus healed all of them, even though only one came back. Right? The, the gratitude came later. It wasn't a prerequisite for God's gracious work. Right? That's the first surprise. But I, I think we bump into another one here. Right? So you feel the distance. Jesus heals. Uh, even leopards. He, res- leper- leopards. he probably heals leopards too. But uh, it's, yeah, it's been in my head like all week. Like I'm thinking about my kids. I'm like, I, I want to make a leopard joke. And uh, it just came out. So you guys are gracious. But... Um, right, Jesus heals. This is what we expect in the story. What follows is gratitude. Like, all this makes sense. But then the story, as Luke gives it to us, takes a twist that he has hinted at uh, at the beginning. He's teased it, but now he, like, the hammer falls. This is the moment when really he, like, tips his hand. What is he drawing you and me into this morning? Finally, hits. We thought the surprise of the story was about gratitude, but really, Really, Luke says it's about the grace that we find in Jesus, right? Because he tells us the story, right? You know, we feel the distance. Jesus heals. We expect gratitude to follow. Um, He comes. He falls at his feet, uh, giving thanks. And then Luke says, now, he was a Samaritan. Now, Now, he was a Samaritan. Just Luke masterfully waits till the end to sort of give us this detail. You're caught up in the story. And then he tells us. The one who returns was a Samaritan. Jesus looks at him, were not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? We want to focus on the gratitude at the beginning, but but Luke is telling us the surprise of the story is on the identity of this one, this leper whom Jesus has has, uh, extended grace to. Right Now he was a Samaritan, and Jesus says, as no one returned except this foreigner. And he says to him, rise, go your way. 
Your faith has made you well. I think what we're meant to feel when we read this story, Jesus' audience, no doubt, as we've seen, right, as he's built over the course of this narrative, uh, uh, what we're meant to feel is surprise at this revelation. Wait, 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 what? The one, the one who returns, the one who understands who Jesus is, the one who perceives, who has some insight into uh, the, the truth that God and his grace is at work in the person of Jesus, you're telling me the one, the one in this group to perceive that was the foreigner, the Samaritan? Right, this is the shock, I think. The shocker of this passage is not so much the gratitude. It's that gratitude comes from the Samaritan. That insight and, and, and the response of worship, that the place of God's activity uh, comes from the outsider, the foreigner. It's significant in Luke's story, as we've seen already in parables like the Good Samaritan. Significant that the one who returns is identified in this moment as the one who is the furthest away. The one, in fact, who would be the least likely to be received by the priests, right? Who was himself uh, religiously and culturally an outsider, right? The one whose uh, experience of the stories of the Old Testament put him, uh, again, at an even greater distance, Right, Jesus says he returns, he sends it to the temple, but for the Samaritan, there'd been all this debate, right? Where do we worship? We are, in a sense, outsiders, not a part of, uh, of the particular stories of God's good activity in the world. And yet here, he is the one who recognizes that God's at work. He's the one. The, the shock of this story, the surprise, I think that you and I are meant to feel is that salvation comes to this leper, apart from any sort of physical ancestry, religious heritage, religious purity, all those kinds of things that miraculously, the, the, the shock of this story is that the grace of God shows up for this foreigner. It takes us back, actually, to that picture we started with. There are echoes of, of that story of, of Naaman all over this encounter in the gospel uh, of Luke, this story of Jesus. Second Kings chapter 5 tells us this story. Naaman was an outsider. He was connected to the, he was literally a leader uh, of the enemies of God's people, and yet he finds healing from the man of God. He finds himself an outsider and, and literally violently opposed, and yet finds grace and healing. Right? This is not an accident. Way back even, God communicating that the reaches of his grace go farther, surprisingly farther than we are often willing to admit or accept or appreciate. I, I, I wonder, right, I wonder if this isn't really the, 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 the trick, uh, trick's the wrong word, the sort of uh, source for the gratitude. I heard someone put it like this, you know, that the, the gratitude, genuine gratitude comes from a place of powerlessness, right? The, 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 the kind of genuine gratitude comes from the place where you recognize your sort of lack of control. Maybe you were in a situation you needed help, like that, that there was uh, a sense of powerlessness. And when that gets changed by the help and aid and influence of another, it's out of that experience of lack of control that grat genuine gratitude like er erupts. The, 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 the place from which gratitude sort of forms is the place of grace. Right, here was a leper, right? As a leper, ostracized, 
right? The epitome of powerlessness in the Gospels, the stories of Jesus on the outside, physically, ritually unclean, excluded from worship, um, socially distanced from everyone, right? Including God, right? He was not allowed to participate in any of these spaces. Uh, You read a story like that and you're like, I don't blame the nine at all, right? I would have run straight to my family, my friends, my community, right? Of course, if I show up and I'm finally restored, man, I would have run all the way. But not just a leper, but a Samaritan. This one who returns, not a full-blooded Jew, no right to worship in God's house, no claim to his love and mercy, no expectation of God's healing, like an enemy of God, really no no claim on God whatsoever, and yet Jesus heals him. A man overwhelmed with gratitude, right, is the response, right, by being given a gift he doesn't deserve, a distance too large for him to cover. I don't know. I don't know if that resonates with you. Sometimes I wonder if we're not sort of in too much control of our lives, right? Or the illusion of control. We were chatting with some folks yesterday, like the, the illusion of control. And, and, and when we sort of maintain that control, well, it's, sometimes it's hard for us to see or appreciate what comes to us from the outside, what happens to us or despite us, what's given to us. This is the story of Jesus and the through line all the way to Jerusalem and the cross. Paul will put it like this in Romans. You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for us, the ungodly. It goes on to say that God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I was, uh, uh, in reading for this week, I heard someone or, or read someone kind of talk about it like this as an illustration, as a way into sort of think about gratitude and grace and this story um, and they're like, uh, the, the, the image was like, imagine you've like fallen off a cruise boat, I don't know, a, a big ship, an ocean liner. I'll leave you to fill in the details, what kind of cruise you're on, where you are, what your destination is. Some of you more recently than others have enjoyed such luxuries. And uh, I'll, I'll leave you to kind of decide, right? You fill in these um, creative gaps. But imagine you fall off the side of said ocean liner and you don't know how to swim. You begin to drown. Someone on board, right, spots you. They throw you a lifesaver, like the, the floating life-saving device kind. Uh, throw you a lifesaver. Preserver, that's a better word. But you knew that already. It lands directly in front of you, right? And just before you sort of like, I mean, you're treading water, you're trying to stay afloat. Just before you sort of begin to sink, maybe lose consciousness, you grab hold of that thing for dear life. And they pull you up onto the deck. You cough the water out of your lungs. Everyone gathers round, looking at you, expectant as you regain your senses. You finally catch your breath. You open your mouth. And you say, did you see the way I grabbed onto that life preserver? I mean, how tightly I held onto it. Did you notice the definition in my biceps? No one has ever noticed that about me. The dexterity of my wrists, I was all over that thing, right? No, it's ludicrous, ridiculous. And I think we read this story when we stop at gratitude, when we think the application of this passage is be more grateful, we, we, we miss the entire point, right? 
Jesus, Luke, through this story of Jesus, is pulling us into, man, what does this tell us about God? It tells us that God covers all kinds of distances. That's what it tells us about him, right? Jew, Gentile, Samaritan, he covers all those distances, but it also tells us about us that all of us need saving, that, that this is a distance that affects each of us. And to focus on sort of, uh, I don't know, the strength of my gratitude and response is to miss the point. It's to miss the point. I don't know where you are this morning. As I sat with the, the reading, I, 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 I was thinking of, about distance. I thought about, I, I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you feel it. Uh, I tried to think of like concrete expressions of distance in my life. Where have I bumped into it recently? Many of you are praying for Luke, right? Kristen and Aaron are worship leaders here. We, we prayed for them a few weeks ago. Luke, uh, Luke, Luke doesn't eat, right? He gets, gets all this food differently. And I remember moments in chatting with them in his life where he has perceived distance. Or he's at a table. All of his friends are like playing, but he has to go kind of climb up on this table so they can like bump his food, right? I'm like, oh, that's, that's distance. I thought about, uh, I even met my sister-in-law and uh, her youngest kid has special needs. They don't really know what's going on, but there's distance and sharing with us how she perceives that in public, right? When, when people perceive it and how they respond, I'm like, oh, what, what will that distance be like for her or her family? And that's a tangible distance. My cousin was in town this week. And he's my age. We, we uh, you know, we're friends, grew up, and he has Down syndrome. And thought about the moments in my life over the course of my life together where uh, there is a sort of visible, tangible distance that he perceives that, 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 that shapes uh, his life. But the more I thought about it and prayed about it, I thought, man, that's just the visible stuff. We've got a room full of people here this morning. You probably carry all sorts of things in the interior of your life that no one can notice. But it has created distance for you. Maybe, maybe it's affected how you relate to God. Maybe it changes the way you sing songs like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this distance creeps in and, and it's hard to sort of cover that. Maybe it shapes the way you open yourself up to community in a church like this. There's distance between your expectations of what life would look like and your lived experience and, and all of these places. You're like, I know God to be good, but, you know, no one sees it. It's much less visible, but its effect in reality is still a very present state in your life. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe you have worked, maybe you have worked tirelessly hard to control it you are approaching the end of that effort. It's unsettling and overwhelming. To you, I would say, Jesus meets you here. He is the one. What does this story tell us about God and his character and his work in Jesus? He is the one who closes the distance to you. I also thought, man, maybe we're on the other end. pretty good handle on things. Maybe our temptation is the other end. We're real good at expecting gratitude from everyone around us. And, and I think sometimes that coming from that place, again, is to, is to not hear what the passage says about us. That all of us are at some distance in need of God's grace. So I, I don't know where you are in that story this morning. 
but I'll admit and wager that in this room we're probably all over the map. My prayer for you as we sit with the story of Jesus is that the grace of God in Jesus Christ, his work on the cross for you would find you here this morning. The kind of grace, hear me this morning, the kind of grace that meets you on the front end of gratitude, that doesn't lay some expectation on you first, but that meets you on the front end of gratitude, doesn't wait for you to evoke or work up the proper response. The kind of grace, right? The kind of grace that crosses all kinds of barriers and walls to get to you. The grace of the one who heals and restores. We guys stay. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at Park City KC.